Welcome to Ramble City. I'm a professional poker player. The difference, the difference is how I explain is if say you're playing blackjack, you you put your bet out, then they deal you two cards. Though you already put your money out, you doesn't matter what kind of cards they give you. Mm. You've got to do the best you can to try and win with those cards, you know. So they might give you like a, a ten and a six, and what are your chances of winning with that? They're pretty small, yeah. you know. So um, you you have to. That's to me is gambling, and poker. They deal you the cards first. You look at the cards. You decide if those cards you want to invest money in. You want to play. So if you do like the cards, then you put the money out there, and that's the difference. First of all, you have a choice of whether to put the money out or throw the cards away. Blackjack or die. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Ramble City. My name's Bradley McCaw, and I will be your host for all of season one. Today's conversation was taken a couple of years ago now when I first started this whole this whole caper and took place. The conversation was recorded at a gorgeous hotel on the Gold Coast with one Marsha Wagoner. Now, if you don't know Marsha's name, you've probably seen her on telly wearing her trademark cowboy hat. Now, Marsha Wagoner is an Australian-born American professional poker player, and we spoke about uh, her incredible and long and storied career that landed her in the Women's Hall of Fame. Now, her story is really quite incredible. She came to her career by chance, although she played when she was really young. It never really occurred to her to, to make a living in poker. And she started to do it originally to start supporting her, her children when she was quite young. And this turns into an incredible career. She travels around the world in many different tournaments and placings and, and really witnessed the, the very change of, of poker over the years. She starts out in kind of the old school time and, and watches as it develops into the new school time with the advent of technology and the way that the game changes through this time. It's a really interesting conversation from from the mind and the experience of someone that sat at tables and, and taken money from someone like myself for many, many years. Some of the most incredible things happened to her during her career, one of which she talks about, and she shows me this in the interview with these chips that she had printed with her face on it, that a casino printed, not her, I should say. And it was fascinating to me to, to hear about the story and the career that someone would have lived, you know, behind the cards. You know, to most of us, card playing is kind of a fun activity that we do on the weekend with our friends or, you know, it's a bit of a lark. It's, uh, it's never really serious. And, and you know, we, we ride the highs and the lows and, and the wins and the losses as, as a bit of a hobby and a joy. But for someone like Marsha, you know, she's lived her life on the turn of, of these cards. And to me, that is such a fascinating way to earn a living. One of the things I should mention about Marsha is later in the conversation, she shares a story about how she underwent surgery for a brain aneurysm uh, that was found actually by chance, she says, by, by her surgeon. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation and 
Be sure to follow and like, subscribe, and tell your friends if you're enjoying the, the podcast. I'll say that's it for me for now. We'll see you next time. Here's Marsha Wagoner. Welcome to Ramble City. Right. You know, the idea well, of... Well, it's mostly pretending to poker, right? Yeah. So yeah. that was my career. Yeah. For 40 years or so, or whatever, since then. Um, Are you still playing? I, yeah. Yeah. I still play. Um, I don't play uh, full-time now, but I do play uh, is once, it a love? once like, or twice a week. <laughs> is it? Is it like? Is it more than just like a game? It's like you you love it and you. No, I don't love it anymore. But, um, it's kind of like work. I mean, because uh, when I did it as a career, I, you know, it was a job. So I was supporting my two kids, and um, so it wasn't like something I could do for fun. I didn't care if I won or lost. I needed to win. So. I, and when I found out, like overall, I could, I could be a winning poker player. That's when I became a pro. And but so was it? it was and it, it went on for forty odd years, uh, since seventy five actually. And so it was never prior to that something you went. Like when was the first time you played cards? Do you remember the first, the very yeah, first when time? I was a kid at home, but not necessarily poker. Um. But I didn't think anything of it at the time because, you know, we play with neighbours and um, uh, my parents used to play a game called Euchre and uh, with um, friends and take kids along. And I can remember wanting to them ask, saying, let me play, let me play. And once in a while they let me play. <laughs> but, uh, but did they let you win? Well... <laughs> That I don't remember, <laughs> uh, but but I do remember though when we used to play at home, um, and it it uh, dawned on me that hey, I used to win all the time. Really? And I didn't think about anything of it. I thought I was supposed to win. Yeah. yeah. So so but, it didn't it didn't register in you that you, that you were winning. You just enjoyed playing. Yeah. Or you don't remember that. Like you I was a kid. Yeah. You know, maybe ten, twelve years old, or something. But um, actually, I didn't get into poker till later in life. I was, well, I was in, how well, old was I in 75? Uh, I was 35. How did it come about? What, how did you? Um, well, I lived in Sydney. And uh, uh, I used to like to play blackjack. And they had some, a few illegal casinos around Sydney. Yeah. That um, I happen to know the uh, my girlfriend and I used to go to the races, and we we knew people that were kind of connected with that that sort of world. Sort of world, we say. yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we would go there. And, Entrepreneurs, if you will. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, well, anything from oh, racehorse owners, trainers, the jockeys, and and whatever, yeah. but. Uh, I used to go and play at the casino and blackjack, and I used to like to do that. Um, and that, I used to win playing blackjack too, because looking back uh, when I was in school, or well, I left school, I was 14 years of age, my favorite subject and best subject was math. 
Wow. And um, that comes into play, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. I'm, I'm too hopeless to, uh, to know better. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I used to be the blackjack and um, they said to me, listen, you don't have to come in there. Just let us know how much to send you every week. <laughs> Don't come in. Yeah. We'll settle it lower than we'll normally lose. Right. <laughs> so, like I said, I had two kids at that point. And, um, I, the blackjack dealers, though, I thought they were doing very well making money uh, being blackjack dealers. So I told one of the owners, listen, I want to be a blackjack dealer. Wow. And um, he said, oh, okay, come on, we'll, we'll show you how. You can come down and we'll show you how. So well, I went there and they were teaching me how to shuffle the cards. The guy came from another room and said, um, what are you doing? Um, I said, I'm going to be a blackjack dealer. He said, you don't need to be a blackjack dealer. You, you can be the first lady poker dealer in Australia. You can be a poker dealer. Wow. Because he had a poker game in the other room. And I said, well, I don't know how to do that either. She said, well, we'll show you. So they showed me they showed me how to deal a card and said now go deal. And you were the first female poker dealer. Yeah. Wow. And um, then they said go deal. So so I did. But part of the the job was um, I had to be a dealer one night. It was two dealers. We would play like we'd deal like thirty minutes on, thirty minutes off, all through the however long the game went. Usually started about midnight, and uh, I would deal one night, and the next night, uh, if they needed a player, I would have to be a player. So I and I had to play with the money that I earned the night before. Well, the money I had to play with my money. Yeah. Well, so the I was earning like around three hundred dollars a night, which is a lot of money at that time. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So. But if I lost half of what I earned the night before, I was allowed to stop playing. So I wouldn't be a loser. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I found out that I had a natural feel for the cards and I, I took it seriously. I be, became a winning player. I, I continued to deal for like a year. And then I had a lot of money after a year. And you, you know, just, you would just a lot of money to me. Oh, yeah. You know, I would yeah. go to town with my pocket full of money and not know what to buy, sort of thing. Um, had my son in uh, top boarding school in Sydney, grammar, uh, boys' grammar school in Trinity, I think it's called. Then after a year, I decided I was tired of the, the hours. I was like getting home in the morning. People going to the beach and I had to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't like that much. So after a year, I decided to, I had lived in the States previous to that. Um, I decided my ex-husband was in the States, he was an American, and I decided that, uh, you know, I wanted the kids to be closer to him and decided to move back over there after a year of dealing poker. So by that time, I was basically a poker player. And... Um, because you were, because you were, you were dealing, but then you were sitting in essentially when they needed you to. And well, from that, I was dealing oh, every other night and playing every other night. Yeah. So by the end, it was it was more, hang on a minute. Like there was somewhere along that you something mm. tweaked in you where you went. Yeah. I'm good at this. I, I didn't really like dealing. I, I didn't like the idea that when I was dealing, 
there's always somebody that has to lose. And I'm, you know, pretty bit of a softie. Yeah. And I didn't like dealing people losing hands. Yeah. You felt more responsible than sitting at a table. Yeah. Why was that, do you think? Um, I guess it's just my nature. Yeah. You know, that I feel for people. Yeah. You know, not my responsibility, but, you know. No, but you can't help but sort of yeah. have it. Yeah. For it. Do you think being a parent at that time made you look at it differently? Like being on one well, side of the table it, or dealing? It was a business for me. It wasn't a fun thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I was doing what I had to do to support the kids and um, have a decent lifestyle and um, decided to go back to the U.S. and... Um, that was in the end of uh, around 1975 or there was sometime in 1976 I went back over there. So we went to Reno in, in Nevada, yeah. which is um, like a little Las Vegas, so to speak. And um, I didn't want to play poker, actually. I wanted to play blackjack because I liked to play blackjack. So I used to go to the casino every day and play blackjack, but only like small stakes, like $5 bets, $10 bets or something like that. And, uh, but I used to grind them for like about $100 a day. And uh, anyway, they didn't like it after a while because I was winning. Yeah. You know, found this poker game and I didn't really know the city uh, at that point but still in Reno Reno yeah. yeah and I look around and I found the poker game and it, it was they were playing a game uh, called um, I think it was six card stud like seven now they play seven card stud right yeah, yeah. well I think they were playing six card stud so there's no river card no last card right yeah and um, <laughs> I looked at the table and they were anting actual dimes Wow. Like little tiny 10 cent pieces. They were the aunties. So I sat in the game and I ended the dimes and I see them, they took me the deal of dimes. It <laughs> 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 was funny. I thought, gee, where, what kind of game is this? <laughs> so I, I guess I played there once or twice. And, you know, when I was dealing in Sydney, if for instance, somebody didn't tip the dealer because the dealer, uh, the dealer's here. And in the U.S., the dealers only get paid um, minimum wage. Mm. So they have to, they depend on getting tips uh, to make a living. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, so if, when the game I, I was working in Sydney, if somebody didn't tip you, you, you had the right to take $2 out of the pot. <laughs> That was just the, so here, tipping hey, dimes, you think? Hey, you have to say, I need these $2. <laughs> yeah. I didn't stay there very long in that little tiny game, but I moved to a bigger game. And Were you, was it as natural as 21 poker Well, for you? Well, it got, became natural pretty quick to me because, like I said, I had a natural feel for the cards. First game I played in, in the bigger game was a six-card stud game. Yeah. Um, I had played a five-card stud in, in uh, Australia, yeah. uh, which was a different, a slightly different 
because they dealt the first uh, card down and the last card down. Yeah. Whereas in the U.S., when they play five cards, don't they deal four cards up? Yeah. And one down or whatever. Uh, maybe one down. Maybe the first one down. So I started playing a game six cards dead where there was six cards and I just adjusted to it and I played that game for a considerable amount of time. I made that my game a choice at that point and um, we have I the same had success? the kids in school and I used to play it while I was in school and then yeah. uh, stop at the grocery store on the way home and go cook the dinner and do. So it was literally your nine to five, wasn't it? Yeah. Essentially. Yep. I used to go and start a play about 11 in the morning or something. And, um, was that a lot of pressure? Like knowing you had that, that, that amount of time, you couldn't just like clock in and clock out mm. when you were ready? It didn't seem like it looking back. I mean, the game wasn't that big that I couldn't hurt myself too much if I did lose. Yeah. And, of course, there's days when you do lose. But then I, I, looked, I saw another game in the room and I thought, I wonder what that game is. And I... I had a look at it, and they were playing um, a game where they dealt everybody two cards, and then they put the flop out there, which I didn't know what the flop was, but it turned out to be Texas Hold'em. Yeah. So that was the next game I I moved on and to play. Then now my favorite game to play is Horse, which is a, a combination of five different games. The Hold'em, Omaha, Raz, which is a stud low game, stud high, and then stud high low, yep. split game. All of them, all the loves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not, not as boring. Yeah. So yeah. what is it like when you actually, what, what does it feel like when you sit down at a, table, uh, at a poker table? Because I mean, like for someone like me, I am hopeless. Like, could you tell that yeah. I am hopeless straight away? And would you, like, you just take yeah. all my money, basically? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's disappointing to hear. Well, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's you're true. Gonna, well, you're going to get lucky, though, sometimes. Well, um, but would I know? Would I even know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably would. I mean, uh, people ask me to teach sometimes, uh, and um, basically I, I just tell them, you know, they deal you two cards. If they're pretty, you can play them. Yeah. If they're not, they're not talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a king deuce or something. It's just you don't play them. But is it like? But how much of it then is things that you can't you can't teach? Because I'm so fascinated with the idea of where like um, it's like instinct crosses over with with the skill and the craft, and where the two like in any in, in any sort of thing that we do, where the instinct there's that crossroad between the two, where you how much are we thinking, and then how much are we just playing? Mm-hmm. You know, in any sort of sport or, right. or, 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 um, or in music or anything where that skill kind of crosses over. Mm. How, how do they intersect in poker, do you think? Well, uh, there's different uh, aspects of every, every hand in every game, really. Um, I think it's important to be selective when you're, before you play in a game. I mean, you don't want to be it mm. in a poker game. You want to have some sort of an edge to play in any game you choose to play. So I look around and see, you know, how many of these players do I know? And uh, if I don't, then I'll, I'll pay attention and see and watch how they, 
how they play. And, and a lot of players uh, have habits, uh, sometimes good, sometimes not. You know, then there's the there's the the player that doesn't get to play much. Well, they everything looks good enough, right? They, they want to play every hand. Yeah. They want to be in action, and uh, of course that's the kind of player that the professional poker players like to <laughs> say me across the table. <laughs> Why? But um, then it comes to what hand are you going to play? So um, there, uh, there's uh, certain hands that fall in different categories in, in the game of poker and which is the best hand to, to play to start with, you know. So, and that's the math side, that's the skill side, well, do you think? Well, well that, no, it's not no just that's a, skill. a choice of which hand you're going to play. So naturally, two aces you're going to play. Sorry, I'm with you now. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and then it goes down from there. Yeah. Um, now it's changed a lot because the young up and coming uh, poker players have actually made the game change. Mm. Um, this happened um, 10 or so years ago when a guy named uh, Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker uh, and he started with a $40 satellite. As you know what a satellite is? No. Oh, well, a satellite. Uh, they have big tournaments, and in the World Series of Poker, the main event is a $10,000 buy-in. So everyone has to pay 10000 to play in that tournament. But people can't afford that kind of money for win or lose, so they have satellite tournaments, which are, there are tournaments that you, play, you pay a smaller, small amount of money. In this case, in his case, it was $40. And uh, if you win that table, well, you might have three, four hundred dollars towards. So a that's seat. how he started his role, essentially. Yes. So then he played in a bigger satellite where they had multiple tables. Like you can have a satellite; it could be one table, or it could be a mega satellite where they have a hundred tables, and they might get even more than one ten thousand dollars seat out of it. So he got his entry out of a satellite. Uh, out, out of a $40 satellite. Mm. And then he went ahead to win the main event, which uh, I don't remember the prize money, but it was over a million dollars. And that was televised. Mm. And um, that got the attention of a lot of kids yeah. that wanted to do, well, if he can do that, we can do that. Because so, there was no need to grind out for a long period of time to get money together and then make the trip and then like it was? Is that the difference? Well, they, yeah, well, they, they can win it uh, by, by risking a small amount of money. They can win a seed and then by doing that, they've got an opportunity to win big money. Yeah. Um, now, you know, it could be 10 million. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, but how did that different to like to people that don't have any experience in in the old school thinking of it, how was it different before then then? Like what was the difference or was it just that the amounts had gotten so big so well, quickly? Yeah, it was more, I think it's always been 10,000 and there's different ways to, to um, approach that tournament. Um, a lot of people don't want to risk 10,000 of their own money so other people 
um, consi consider their, they've got the talent to, to win and mm. invest in them. Yeah. So that's getting staked. And you can get staked in a, I was staked in the first time I played in the main event of the World Series. Tell us about that one. When was that? I think that was somewhere around uh, the early 90s or the late 80s. I cashed in it. Uh, didn't cash for a lot of money, but, um, and they didn't have as many players. Like now they could, they have thousands of players in that event. Yeah. But then they had uh, maybe less than 1,000. I think I finished something like uh, 23rd or one time I finished 23rd, one time I finished 19th. And I was able to give the investor the $10,000 back and then make a profit and yeah. split that split that with that person. Yeah. That's how that works. It's when uh, Moneymaker won the tournament and the kids started getting in, involved in poker, they changed the game a lot. They played a lot faster than the old timers, so to speak. Yeah. You know, we played more carefully. They might um, push all their chips in with a, any two cards, yeah. like a six tray or four or five or any two cards, you know. And sometimes they'll get a favorite hand, it might be nine, seven. You know, and you wonder why. <laughs> and what, so you're, you're there trying to look at the thinking behind it all and trying uh -huh. to work out what they've got. And you're like, right. well, I have no idea why this is that. Mm. So the thinking of around the game changed. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's where the luck comes in too. So the, the, the luck does come into poker, but there's also a lot of skill. And the skill is the choosing the game, choosing the hand to play knowing when to, that hand is no good anymore and to throw it away. Like you might have to fold per queens, you know, before the flop comes down. Yeah. Because the pot's been raised, re-raised, somebody's moved in and you've got two queens. You think, well, what am I gonna do with these two queens <laughs> if I don't hit one of them on the flop, right? Yeah. And the odds are you're not going to. Yeah. So in that case, of course, you throw them away. And then, you know, people are gonna turn over aces or kings or, or something that would have beat you. And then how much of it then is maneuvering people though, do you think? Oh, well, it depends on their hand. You can't really maneuver. I've, I've seen like people throwing kings away before the flop. So they can be manoeuvred, but nine times out of ten, they're up against two aces. Yeah. So you don't do it without a lot of thought. And then there are other times when you can get into a pot with a small pair, get lucky and hit that pair or, or, and win with it up against a, an over pair mm. uh, that someone else might have. But in the, in the olden days, I suppose I could say, um, from when I started to play serious poker the early 80s in Las Vegas. First time I played in a, a poker tournament, in a, in a World Series event, they have a series of events where they, each different one starts every day. And one of those was a ladies event where there's only ladies played. Yeah. The first time I played in an event, I played in the ladies event. It was a seven card stud event and um, I ended up getting heads up with another lady. We, you know, the rest of the field was gone after a day or two. 
and I'm heads up and I played heads up with um, the other player for seven hours. Wow. And the money was like going like... Back and forth. Back and forth. And um, I had made a, a deal with myself before I started to play that. And I said, well, in this tournament, I'm not going to play for any straights or flushes. I decided. I thought I'd have a better chance. So I didn't, I didn't play for any straights or flushes. You succeeded in holding to that. It, and I did. Um, so I only played with pairs uh, to start with. And, and then after all this time playing heads up, they dealt me these three cards like it was a nine, ten uh, jack of diamonds. And so that looked so pretty. I said, um, <laughs> i got to take one off <laughs> with his hand. <laughs> so anyway, kept the story a bit short. I, I made the flush in five. Wow. And um, I thought I was going to win the tournament. But the other player had two pairs and uh, turned out she filled up, made a full house on the river. Uh, and I was, um, I was gone. On the... I was finished. I, on played, that hand. I come in second. <laughs> yeah. You, you, your rule, you're like, oh, it was so pretty. You just yeah. got lured into the siren song of the, the diamonds. Yeah, I mean, you think when you see those kind of cards, you think of a straight flush, but you should think a little further yeah. because a straight, the odds of making a straight flush, you know, it's very long. So. Do you think that's the biggest skill of like really grinding out and having a success, a long successful career is taking that extra thought, always thinking it right the way through? or Because sometimes it must be just a gut instinct and you go, here we well, go. Well, when, when you, yeah, but when you beat, you've got to realise that you, you are big because beat because the other player is giving you the information of how the value of their hand by the bets that they make yeah. and by how big they are. Because, like now I'm talking no limit. Yeah. Hold them, which is the main game, and and most of the newer, younger players are primarily no limit hold them players. Mm. They they a lot of them don't even know how to play the other games. I saw a girl throw a hand away the other day in a monster tournament. I'm not sure what the buy-in was. I think it might have been twenty-five thousand or something. And she had a queen, and the flop came. Um, like a king queen, king queen jack or something, and that was the flop. Um, she so I checked to check to her. The, she was heads up. I checked to her. She bet, and the turn there came another queen, which gave her three queens. Yeah, I was thinking, didn't she? And she's now, now, now she got three queens. Yeah. So so I checked to her again. So she made a big bet, and the guy still called. The guy had aces in his hand, but she had ace queen, and there were two queens out there. So she had three queens and he had two aces. Yeah. So on the river comes an ace, She's the last ace, which made him aces full of queens and her queens full of aces. Yeah. He checked to her again and she bet again. She made a big bet. And he said, well, I'm all in. He put all his chips in. And she thought about it a long time. And she turned over her ace queen and threw it in the muck. That's a pretty big lay down. Gutsy. Yeah, she knew he had aces. So he, think, she said that's the only thing he could have to do that. 
I don't think I've got the resolution or is maybe the, the resolve that it takes to handle those moments. You know, that's the sport of it, isn't it? That's the, you know, people taking big shots in sporting game, in, in you know, in, in all sorts of sports, you know. You know, the, this shot at this moment, <laughs> oh, buzzer, win, mm. that's it. Like it's, there's so much, it's like the focus it takes to just stay present and just to be in that and then really think that through. It blows my mind a little bit, actually. It does. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, think it, it just takes a, yeah, a lot of mm-hmm. constitution. Yeah. To, to, was the moment ever overwhelming for you in, in hands you've played like that? I've made pretty big lay downs, yeah. Um, I, mean, lay down. I have to lay my hand down, throw it away. Yeah. I mean, um, feeling confident that it wasn't any good anymore. You, you've got a risk, either you've got a risk being knocked out of the tournament by making that that last call, or you look at the chips and say you're still in the tournament and you still have a chance. So all these thoughts come to mind. Hopefully so all the right. thoughts are just, it's all these different things that are coming up for you at different times in all different ways and you're dealing with them bit by bit and then in the game and just following yeah. it through. Following yeah, and then and then there's a time when somebody might call a clock yeah. and you would hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it harder to, to lay down or to really back yourself? Do you think in one of those hands, so in the same situation where you know that they've got it and you know that you don't have it or whatever, or is that harder than you don't think they have it and you know you have it? Like which is kind of takes more guts, do you think? Or is it the same? Well, it's, it's just read. a moment. It's read and there's a lot of people that have towels in in poker. Yeah. That they do certain things when they have certain hands and they don't know they're doing it, but you do, you know, and you've got to be on the guard for that sort of thing. Do you, Does that transfer over to, like, real life? Like, do you think that type of oh, yes. you know, psychology, like you're at the grocery okay. store and you say, have you got, you know, bananas and they say no and you're like, I know you do out the back, you just yeah. don't want to go get them. <laughs> right. Is that kind of like what it's like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a superpower. It is. Yeah. Do you? It is. Do you remember any significant tells or anything? Like any, something like that? Or is it, or what about for yourself? Is it like, do you monitor yourself in that way sometimes? Did you discover your own tells or? Well, not that you should say them. I don't think I. Yeah. I don't think I have any. <laughs> well, a lot of people think that way. I may 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 well have some, but. Um, do you think so? Do you think everyone thinks they don't? It's just whether you actually can recognize them, the things that the people don't see in themselves. Well, a lot of things like come to having a po- what they call a poker face. Yeah. So that you don't change your expression, and that's why a lot of these younger players wear these hoodies and sunglasses at the table and they cover their whole face up because they don't want you to see. Because they don't have a poker face. Right. Yeah, I haven't developed Um, one. So some places are coming, cracking down on on things like that and so there's not going to be any. Just wearing a Spider-Man mask at the table. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of ridiculous. You know, I noticed towels like I know one person, uh, a friend of mine, it was talks a lot at the table when he's got a big hand. If he's in the pot, right? Yeah. Got a big hand. He said, talks a lot. Yeah. You know, where some people just don't say anything. They just get real quiet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wonder what I'd do. 
lose my money. <laughs> is it? Is it? Do you think it was harder in the early days when you weren't as well known, or, or do you think it's harder now? That kind of there's. It's like you know when you're a great sporting sport team, everyone wants to play their best against you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's does that factor into poker particularly, or do you think it's just you just approach the table the same way and it's just another thought you contend with. It's no different. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it's Yeah, this- I, I understand what you're saying and, and um, I think it does it does come into it. Well, you, you certainly play differently against different people. When I first started, the first, say, 20 years or so mm. of my poker um, career, I, um, I felt that um, it was just pretty easy. Everything was like pretty automatic. Wow. To me, I made that many final tables in the you know, World Series, for instance. I, I thought it was easy. It just didn't occur to you that it was kind of difficult what you were doing? Mm-mm. It didn't. It's amazing. Yeah. So, so I'm probably more nervous now yeah. if I enter a big tournament yeah. than I was then. But I've slowed down somewhat. I, you know, I don't... Um, have to play poker every day or every other day. Or, yeah. Uh, it's nice to stay home with my dog. <laughs> and and to, to live like, to have other hobbies. Oh, yeah. Because it would take, it, did it take like to stay that sharp when there was so much writing on it? You know, especially when you had your kids and it's like mm. so much depended on a hand. Yeah. And then they were printing, they were making chips, like these chips. Yeah, what are these With ones? my face on. Oh, wow, so I see. You know, in different places, in different casinos. And um, so people collected them. And This one is, so this one says your name, 19th place, 1993. Okay, yeah. And is this, and was this hat that you're wearing, was that something that you wore quite a lot at the table? This yeah, cowboy I'm gonna, hat? I'm actually wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a cowboy hat and that that particular picture, but um, I had a... This one here, yeah, yeah, I have a big, card. Yeah, I have a big variety of cowboy hats and I mostly wore those when I was is this just Is this just to hide that you're Australian? You want them to think you're American? No. I was joking, but... <laughs> and I have Australian hats too. Yeah. <laughs> what are the Australian... Oh, Kubris, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And this one's 1999. Wow. Yeah, so the best I've done... In the, the main event at the World Series was to finish tw- in 12th place. And that was in 1997. You know, in poker, there's bad beats. Yeah. Where you get, you know, like she, she had with the ace-queen, even though he had the aces, which was the better hand to start with. She made her hand before he did. And on the last card, which they call the river, made him aces fall. That was a pretty bad beat for her because there was only one more ace left in the deck. Uh, He had two, she had one. Yeah. And there's only four, so it's called a one-outer. So it's only one card in the deck that he could win with. Yeah. And and that happens. Yeah. So that hurts. Was that, has that one of the, do you have memories of those ones? Yeah, not quite as bad, but yeah, I think I've been there and done that sort of thing. How do you manage that then, like through a, a long career? Do you just accept it and walk away or does yeah. it take time? I reached to, a like, point a fairly, fairly early in my career after um, a couple of years 
or three years or so when I was playing professionally. And sometimes I would have to put in long sessions because I didn't have to. But, you know, when you're losing and you think you're in a good game and you think there's a chance to turn it around, you sometimes you put in a long sessions. Yeah. And so if I had a losing session and I would come home and I wouldn't be as, let's say, quite as kind or sociable yeah, at home because I'm thinking about what happened. Yeah, you know? I'm, yeah, unpacking every hand, yeah. every play. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I did have that bit of a problem where it was hard to take a loss. It's never really easy to take a loss when you play well, yeah. but if you can tell yourself you didn't play well, well, then you have to accept it. But I can remember a certain time that it was actually one day when I had a losing session and I'm driving home and I've got the radio on, I start singing with the radio and I'm thinking, then it suddenly dawned on me, why am I singing? <laughs> I, I, lost. I lost. I lost. I, didn't, I shouldn't be happy. <laughs> I shouldn't be singing. But that was the time, that very time when it turned around for me that I was able to accept a loss and it didn't bother me. It didn't change anything. It didn't change anything in the way I, I acted or... In your, in your in my, wider life. In my home life, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not just in your work yeah. life. Yeah. Because it's, there's so much mystery about it, I think, in that unlike a lot of sport... I mean, every sport, you, you play for your next check. In every every sport, because you do, but there's but but, but cards unfold so quickly, mm. doesn't it? It's in that hand. It's then in that game. It's that session. It's that day. That's right. It's that week. It's it's not like you know in 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 our other wider sports we've got a season up and down to ride it down. It you've got your money and then you walk out and you go well I guess I've got to go do something else to get my money again to come back mm. next week. Like how. I guess there's so much mystery in that for people that don't play it that it's there's an excitement about it. Is that what it feels well, like, or is it just? It is, I don't really feel am like I'm romanticizing it. Well, you know, you're not, but I don't really feel like I'm a gambler, so to speak. Yeah. Um, people think that I'm a professional gambler. So I'm not a gambler. Um, I'm a professional poker player. The difference. The difference is. How I explain is if, say, you're playing blackjack, you, you put your bet out. Then they deal you two cards. Though you already put your money out, it doesn't matter what kind of cards they give you, mm. you've got to do the best you can to mm. try and win with those cards, you know? So they might give you, like, a, a 10 and a 6. And what are your chances of winning with that? They're pretty small, yeah. you know? So um, you, you have to, that's to me is gambling. And poker, they deal you the cards first. You look at the cards, you decide if those cards you want to invest money in, you want to play. So if you do like the cards, then you put the money out there. And that's the difference. First of all, you have a choice of whether to put the money out or throw the cards away. Yeah. Blackjack, you don't. You put the money first and you get the cards. It's well. not pokies where you're just kind of just putting it in and waiting. It's like you're assessing every step. Yeah. 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 So you, you've got choices to make. Yeah. Mm. What about the, this, this, the, the situations where then you have to, after a loss, or pick yourself back up and that sort of thing? Like is that, is, it's still not gambling though, is it? Because you just need 
it's still a sport, even if you have to keep picking yourself up or down or, I mean, it's different because well, you did yeah. so well and well, so you, well so consistently. Mm, Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like, yeah. So you can choose to play inferior hands, say when I say inferior, like you can choose to play a, uh, say an eight, nine suited um, against better hands, maybe yeah. ace king, uh, King Queen or pairs, other thing. So, but if you if you you know connect with the flop, yeah, you got a lot of good action, and you can win with those kind of cards. So you take a chance. Yeah. If it doesn't cost too much money to get to see the flop, yeah. you know, if like everybody limps in, um, then you you you're on the button and you've got a five six. The diamonds or something. So oh, I'll look at the flop, and it's I'll just around. it's just one it's just one bet. It's one bet. You know? It's so much a day to day job that 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 card playing has come up with a term for it, which is a grinder. Do you know what I mean? It's so much a part of the existence of that whole story. Mm. It's got its own term. It's not like, you know, go to, what is it, like a nine to five? We don't have a term if you do like an office job for that type of playing. Like, do you, do you think it's a, like, it is a real thing, but like, how is it different? Like cash games to tournament games? How is that? Well, cash games and tournament games are totally different. And you play differently because uh, in a tournament, when you're out, you're out. You lose your chips, you're gone. In cash, you could rebuy and add to your chips and continue to play to to wind up being a winning a winning day or a winning session or yeah something. But in um, it's much more a part of your life as opposed to the tournaments like in and then you right. Do the that tournament, thing. but you you go in with a different mindset. Yeah, and that is that um, you play. You're probably going to play a little tighter. And as a tournament player, until you can build up the chips, yeah. and then you can use those chips to do to manipulate other players, and yeah. you bluff or you or you wait for the best hand, and uh, there's choices. Yeah, once again, you've always got choice. Yeah, yeah. What was it like always? Um, you know, traveling to different places and and throughout your career. Oh, it was like, wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I had a great life in in the poker industry. Um, I traveled the world yeah. playing tournaments. Mm. I mean, so many places I would never have visited otherwise. And the other thing is it's fun because wherever you go, you go to Europe, you go to different countries. I went to Mosque, uh, Marrakesh, uh, Moscow, and um, oh, Central America, all kinds of places on poker cruises where they, yeah. you know, poker game. Wherever you seem to go, you see people you know. Mm. doesn't matter where in the world you are. Is it a tight-knit community? Like in that way, I yeah. guess? It's yeah, like, well, it's, it's bigger now. But yeah. Yeah, but it used to be Cause when, smaller. Because coming up before TV, the games weren't televised. No. When you, before you made your big trip to, to America, was it? That no. was a pretty brave yeah. move when you think about it, wasn't it? To mm -hmm. sort of go, all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not right. like now where you can actually see it on television or see it on, you know, 
right. the computer and you go, oh, yeah, I see how he got that satellite and he got there. I can do that. You were just, mm. you just blazed a trail. I really did in a lot of ways. I was, you know, one of the, the very first women poker players to succeed in it mm. as a career. Obviously, that's why there's There's chips all these chips here. And that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, getting to travel and I got to come back to Australia every year. The Crown used to bring me back every year for the Aussie Millions for about 10 years and uh, I was treated like royalty. I first-class airfare, stayed at the Crown for three weeks. Or, uh, oh, you know, doesn't sound too bad. Was, Teach me how to play cards few, if you wouldn't mind, Marsha. A few, <laughs> few perks, but nothing's forever. And, of you course, know, Like yeah. I said, I slowed down, but I still... I'm, I did manage to be voted into the Australian Poker Hall of Fame, and that was about 10 years ago. Yep. And um, um, I'm in a couple of other Hall of Fames in the US, the ladies and the seniors. And That's no small accomplishment, you feel, It makes you feel it's like you, you have accomplished something yeah. out of it all. Absolutely. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I guess during your career, you know, you're still playing, but you're, the times in which, you know, you were using it to raise your family and to do all those things, did you consider yourself a grinder at that time or did you just consider yourself a professional poker player? Like, are they the same thing or is it different? Mm, uh, they're, they're related for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, a grinder probably isn't as successful as you have been. Well, now I, I want to play... In the shortest amount of time, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so it's literally just about time. Aguander is just someone that plays, has to play a lot of time, and then you're like, I'll just do this and I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that really the only difference? Um, yes, I think so. You know, <laughs> I mean, people like, I live in Las Vegas yeah. now, but um, people that come there, like for the weekend, oh, they want to be, they want to be playing around the clock, uh, you know. Yeah. And me, I'm living there. I want to go in when they're tired. <laughs> <laughs> you got it down, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't have to stay so long. Yeah, yeah. You don't just, yeah, that's, you know, yeah. Uh, kind of an um, odd, odd part of my family because they don't understand it. Well, that, they don't really have an interest in it. Um, that's the thing about being a professional poker player or living your life in cards. It's people, we just don't, it's so mysterious. Yes. It's, it's such this mystery about it. I mean, my brother and I, we grew up uh, really enjoying cards and we had a family mm. that enjoyed playing cards, but it never really went beyond a pastime or a hobby. Right. And there's a love of it, but there's so much about it that we don't understand because so much right. happens in the competitors. And then when things happen, we don't, we, we really can't understand what it is when someone's playing something and for a reason, unless you've gotten really good at it. Yeah. You know, so there's. But, you know, a lot of men, in particular men. Yeah. Um, it's like known as a man's game. It has been over the years, really. But um, now, of course, more women are getting involved, but. I notice if I go to see the doctor for anything, they know, and they know, you know, what do you do for a living? Well, I'll take poker. And they want to talk, that's all they want to talk about. You must be sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> because Professional men, people, you know. Because they wish that they were car players. 
Yeah, it's a fantasy to them. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantasy. Why do you think that is? Why is it a fantasy? Well, because they think it's so much fun, I suppose. They've seen too many Bond films? Yeah, They've watched sort Maverick, of. Rounders? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. yeah. There's the Hollywood aspect of it, do you think? Right. Uh, yeah. But it was never like that? There might have been parts of it. There's parts of any career and any job that well, are like uh, that. You but. know, when I think back uh, to the um, earlier days when the big tournaments were running in, in Las Vegas, for instance, you know, people, tourists come to Las Vegas every weekend and there's always like hundreds of people on the rail watching these yeah. tournaments. And I think that's so boring. <laughs> how, how, how do they spend all their time watching this? Just watching you think about what you're going to do next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're fascinated. People get fascinated with poker and then they probably, mm. some of them get it in the idea, I'd like to do that, you know. Yeah. I think we all would like to be good at it because there's, it's a strength of mind, it's confidence, yeah. it's, it comes down to like a moment and it's something that we can all possibly do because mm. you look at sp other sports and you have to have a certain physique, you have to have a certain sort of genetic yeah. code, but poker mm. is like you've got people sitting down or cards right. are sitting down and you go, well, that could be me. Yeah, and, and me being a woman, mm. has. I've had, I've noticed over the years, I've had a slight advantage yeah. because of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can. You said people don't mind losing to you. I as, can get as, people, I can get people to do what I want them to do sometimes, <laughs> you know. I can say, like I said, one guy, I play good now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got to use what leverage you have. And, and so, actually, I did that the other day where I played a game over here at the Star Casino. Yeah. And, um, I had a pretty good hand. I had a better hand than this other guy that had the raise before the, the flop. And I thought, I'm just going to call the raise. I'm not going to give any information here on this hand. I just had his king in my hand. Yeah. But he was raising a lot of hands. And he raised with garbage hands, like ace five, you think he had it. So anyway, the flop comes from nine, nine, five, I think it came. And uh, checked him. And, and usually, uh, a lot of times after they raised before the flop, they think it's their duty to continue to bet after the flop. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you, you, you look for that too. And uh, so I checked to the guy and he he made a bet on the flop and I, I thought about it. I thought about it. So I raised him. Yeah. yeah. So I, did, I put a raise in. I said, what you have? And I said, play good. <laughs> he goes, okay. <laughs> now I will. Yeah. So then I threw his hand away. I said, I'm sure I had you. I showed him my king. Oh, so I had a five. I said, you raised him with a five? You know. Didn't know better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then, you know, there's this, these guys that think, you know, they can't sleep if they think they might have the winning hand mm. you know if you you raise them and they they have to call you just in case you're bluffing mm. you know so you can take advantage of that too yeah wow you can get more action that way just all the scenarios yeah there's hundreds i'm going to be an infinitely better poker player tomorrow i'll tell you that much yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've had, you know, medical conditions that have, I shouldn't have survived. Like I had a brain aneurysm. Yeah. And it was found accidentally. How was it found? 
Well, I had a, um, a seizure, a blackout, and I blacked out. Oh, the next day, my husband said, well, we're going to go to the neurologist. So I go to the neurologist, and um, he, then he said, my husband said to the doctor, why can't you have an MRI? So he said, well, she can have an MRI. Yeah. So they made an appointment for me to go actually pretty much right away and have an MRI at the hospital. And no, it wasn't. I made an appointment because I had talked to people and I'm a bit claustrophobic yeah. and I didn't like the idea of going into that tube uh, for any period of time to have this MRI. So I was going to cancel it. Yeah. Um, but this girl, a friend of mine, she talked me into it. She said, no, look, you just go in there and, and you just sing this song in your head over and over again and you'll be able to get through it. So I said, oh, okay. And so I went and went to the, had the MRI. There was a, like a beautiful $3 million new MRI machine that was open. Wow. And I was so surprised and so happy that I could tolerate it and I had it done. But they, when they saw it on the monitor, uh, they saw the, the aneurysm in my brain. I had an aneurysm. If I had cancelled that appointment, I wouldn't be talking to you today. Yeah. For sure. Because my grandmother at 56 died of an aneurysm. Wow. And uh, there's some genetics involved with that sort of thing. So, yeah. so I had to go in for surgery and um, they managed to clip it. and got 13 screws still in my head. And, um I recovered. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I want to go the story that they found it in. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And you're still playing too. Do you think you're yeah. playing, like, do you think you played better, not worse? Like, was it, did it not really matter? Was it, did you just no, literally just, get back to the table and there you I, go again? I just felt like I'm on my second life sort of thing, uh, you know, because people walk around with aneurysm, they, they hemorrhage and they're gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so I've been, I've, I've had a few setbacks um, health-wise, but all in all, I feel um, after all these years, um, pretty well, generally. Yeah. No, I didn't think I would come out of the operation. I really didn't think I would. I mean, I was at Cedar, Cedar sinai Hospital in LA in Beverly Hills at and I'm looking at the Hollywood sign, you know, the Hollywood sign on the on the uh, hill there, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, this is the last one I'll be looking at that. Wow. And um, nobody else thought I would. My room was just filled with flowers, and um, I came through it. <laughs> yeah. What was it like then when you went back to playing poker, like straight? I didn't, uh, it took, a, the recovery was a few months, yeah. Um, but then when I went back, I felt okay. And when you opened your eyes again, after thinking that you would never see the Hollywood sign again, like what was oh, that like? Um, mm, that was pretty tough. That was pretty tough because they you had know, to do major surgery, open my, put my face down here and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's pretty tough. But I was fortunate to um, get the surgeon who was probably the best in the country who specialised in nothing but 
brain aneurysms. Wow. Yeah. And I only got, got that way because of connections. I had people. Yeah. In this case, it was Larry Flint. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because Larry Flint, you know, he, I don't know if you saw the movie or not, but he was shot and he's in a wheelchair. And, mm. um, and for those who don't know friend, who Larry Flint is? Sorry? For those listening who don't know who well, Larry is? Well, they might. You think just they can He's a publisher. Let's say he's a publisher. Let's say he's a publisher. Perfect. Um, but uh, yeah. my friend used to play poker with him in his home. Yeah. He now owns a casino called The Hustler. Yeah. But uh, so I said to my friend, well, when I first wanted to go into Cedars, because I found out that was where the best neurological team was, uh, they said no, they were full. They're going to take me. So the, the doctor wanted me to have the surgery in uh, another hospital uh, where they only had one neurosurgeon. And I said, well, what, if he, what if he has a heart attack mid-surgery? Yeah. Then what? Yeah. So um, I told my friend, uh, you need to call up Larry Flint and tell him I need to go to Cedar sinai because he owns about a wing of it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the next thing I know, I, got a, I was in the other hospital. I got a phone call from this surgeon uh, whose name was Wooten Shivink. And he said, um, come on, I'm waiting for you. Wow. So uh, that's how I got in there. I got an ambulance over there and on the way. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it goes on and on. <laughs> and it goes on and Doesn't on. It? Yeah. 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 What do you feel like it's like through all the different highs and lows of being in a life and okay. to do with poker and then yeah, to do Yeah, I know with, what you mean. You know, like there's yeah. so many... It's not just professional, then it's personal. No. But what do, what do you think about that? Well, I have to quote the, the pretty well-known saying in poker is it's a tough way to make an easy living because it really is not easy. It's, it's kind of tough. Hmm. And you do have to go through the highs and lows. And um, I guess you become resilient if you're, if you're going to stay with it. So I must have. Done that. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. I don't know if you want to see these chips again. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Thank you very much for coming with us today. This has been Ramble City, a podcast of conversations with interesting people musing on art, life, and their careers. Created and produced by Old Fashioned Media. To hear more and discover additional material from today's episode, visit OFM.com. <laughs> <laughs>